the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to another podcast. I don't know what number we're up to, but it's another one. 72? 71? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're joined today, <laughs> myself and Liz, and we're joined with our lovely coach, Chelsea. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. We had Coach Tom on on the last episode that we published. It was his third appearance, and I believe it's also your third appearance. Is that right? Am I counting correctly? Third time. Yeah, well. I think so. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We introduced the Better Bodies program in our last episode. Tom was taking the training block and you are taking the habit change and body image management block, which we thought would be the topic of today's podcast. Sure. Before we get there, I asked Tom to give the audience a personal intro uh, in case people hadn't listened to his previous two and like, who is this guy? Mm. So who is this girl? (laughs) Would Would you like to give a little intro to Chelsea? Yeah, sure. So I've been working with you guys at, at Flex since last July. So going on a year and a half now, which has been really fun and really exciting. I live across the world in Detroit, Michigan. Um, and the majority of the clients I work with are females 30 plus, but kind of just anybody who wants to learn more about nutrition, learn more about training and improve their physique and, and body image. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited uh, to have the habit change and the body image, um, different categories, because I think it's so important because when we are trying to do a physical transformation, it really isn't complete until you actually change your lifestyle behaviors and think differently about yourself. Hmm. Have you found that is something people haven't quite understood when they come to you as a one-on-one client? They just think, oh, I just need to find the magic food or something. The red pill mentality. Yeah, that, and then also just like the I'll be happy when, like, oh, last year I was five pounds less. So even though if you actually think back, you probably weren't that happy five pounds less. Now you think, okay, if I could just get back there, everything would be better. And it really isn't. So it's it's more about kind of like body image is really separate from weight loss. It can be done together. Like it's okay to want to change your body, but at the same time, like you have to, go on that journey independently. Mm. Oh. It was only yesterday I dove into Eric's PayPal. It was according him. <clears throat> oh, I always forget. It's like the paradigm shift in nutrition, sustainable nutrition. Or- yeah. Anyways, it was, it was a paper on how physique athletes approach their nutrition, rigid control versus flexible restraint. And the statistics on body image disorders <clears throat> amongst competitive physique athletes who arguably have the best physiques in the world is sky high compared to average population who have less muscle and more fat. So you're like, it's totally true that you can look fantastic and feel shit or look, I don't want to say look, don't, don't look as good, but feel fantastic. Well, as intended. Yeah. As mm. intended, but feel fantastic. So that's so true. Mm. Yeah. And you, um, on, was it on Instagram recently shared about your experience as a physique athlete and how you weren't, you didn't have the best body image, even though you were at your peak physique. Yeah, I think when I first started competing, I, that's kind of why I got into it because I'm like, I don't like how I look now. And that is definitely not the best reason to do it. And I learned my lesson, but, um, but that is kind of the reason why I did it at first. 
and yeah, competed, performed well in the show. And then after the show, it was like, well, now what? Because I did this all for this one day and I didn't really stop to appreciate what I've actually achieved. Um, and, and yeah, it just kind of was taken away from me really quick. So, so yeah, abs don't make you happy. You still have the same problems just with abs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's scary how many people actually use a particular body weight goal or some subjective look, which is impossible to measure as their proxy for success and how they think that may then translate to how they feel on the inside. Um, yeah. It can kind of work um, inversely, kind of like if somebody doesn't really think about their physique too much, but they wake up one day and they're like, oh, how did I get here? I want to make change. Um, through the process of trying to create change, they're looking at their body more, they're thinking about their body more, they're criticizing their body more. And actually body image can get worse as your physique gets better if we're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cause there's always just that little bit more you can do, you know, even if you got there, you can always think more, unless you already appreciate for everything that you've done to get there and all the actions and the different lifestyle habits that you've got along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and my one-on-one -on -one coaching with, with all the flex clients, I think that's something I try to bring up a lot. Like, okay, there wasn't a change in scale weight this week, but what did we learn about ourselves and how did we improve in our life and how do we feel better? And I think that's always good to reflect on and just like keep that top of mind. Particularly because most of the time when people set a goal of losing 10 kilos, they don't really care about the 10 kilos. The 10 kilos is a way to measure progress towards the end goal, which is fitting into my clothes more comfortably, feeling more confident. And 10 kilos less just happens to come along with that. Yeah. Um, and so really, we sure, we can measure weight, but we also, also should be measuring how are you fitting into your clothes? How are you feeling? Did you do the daily tasks um, that you needed to? Because we can't control our weight, can we? We can only influence our weight. And so we can measure a successful or a failed week based on the many little behaviors that we need to do to get there. Yeah, which is why we push the process focus too. Yeah, mm. for sure. Um, you want to talk to us, Chelsea, about, because I think when you say the word body image, maybe people just think, oh, how hot I think I am. But it's, <laughs> it's more than that, isn't it? Do you want to spell it out a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a, a few different things. So it's the way that you perceive yourself. It's the way you think about yourself and it's the way you behave based on both of those things as well. Um, so for example, the way you perceive yourself, you could already be at a very healthy body weight with a body that a lot of people envy. But if you see yourself as overweight, you know, you're never going to have that self-love for yourself. So it, it can be skewed. It's not always um, based in fact. And so that's, I think, why we sometimes have to call ourselves out and just become aware of the different thoughts that are burning through our head, because just because we think it doesn't mean that it's true. Absolutely. In um, the, because I know you talk about reframing uh, and a growth mindset versus a, was it a stuck mindset? Am I getting that right? Yeah, like a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset. Yeah, so like a... Yeah, like a fixed mindset, meaning like you believe that you actually can't make changes, that um, you are just fixed and you can't improve and get better. Whereas a growth mindset means, you know, taking failures as a way to um, kind of as a way for, for like learning, like every failure is an opportunity to try again. Um, mm -hmm. Like if you just think, oh, I'm 
like I'm so fat I could never change versus I'm not where I want to be right now. So I'm going to work hard to, to make a difference to myself. Mm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So I think that's, that's important as well. And then, yeah, you were mentioning reframing. So just the thoughts that are always going through our head doesn't mean that they're true. And then we, we can also just separate those thoughts from actually just being thoughts and not actually who we are. So if we're thinking, um, I'm so fat and I'll never get a boyfriend taking that. Okay. That was an interesting thought, but that isn't true because I am smart and I'm beautiful and all these other good things about me. So kind of just, we can acknowledge and say, cool, that was a thought and now it's gone. Um, and also reframe it. Hmm. Because we can't always control our thoughts, but we can stop our thoughts controlling us. God, I'm pithy today. I was going to say, it's not about Quote me, people. Quote me. Um, Have you heard of a happiness trap, Chelsea? No, I haven't. Um, Okay. So the happiness trap talks a lot about thoughts and different ways that they call it fusion and defusion. So if we fuse with our thoughts, we believe that everything we think is true. I'm so fat, I'll never get a boyfriend. But we can defuse that thought by doing exactly what you said, putting distance between ourselves and our thoughts. So you mentioned, you know, we reframe, oh, that's an interesting thought. And you realize that you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts aren't true. So another diffusing strategy would be uh, accept and acknowledge your thought and put the words, I just had a thought that I'm so fat and I'll never get a boyfriend. And there's Mm. other things that didn't resonate with me, like put your silly thought into a jingle and then like see how ridiculous it is. (laughs) Like there there was a few things I really liked the, um, yeah, I just had a thought that because then you really see your thoughts for what they are, just like things that you think. Yeah, I suppose mm-hmm. you're not like uh, aligning it with you as a person. You're not fusing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Actually talk about that a little bit in the mindset and motivation block of the Better Bodies program. And there seems to be quite a lot of overlap between what you're talking about in habit change and body image management and mindset and motivation. Because without the right mindset and motivation, like how are you going to change your habits and manage your body image and, and vice versa? Hmm. So I, like, I'm really happy that all of this is in one program because all the pieces matter. I think without one of these pieces, it would just be an incomplete puzzle. Hmm. Yeah, but also alongside with the nutrition education as well. And training, because supplements. I feel like um, you know, when flexible dieting first became popular, it went from like being this idea to then being this bastardized concept and abused. And then it's kind of come full circle now to like most people have like a happy medium between like eating micronutrient dense food and then maybe eating things that are a little bit more palatable, you know, it comes full circle. And we've kind of done that in the last two, three years with the body image movement and, and haze and all of these things where you got this body positivity, body positivity movement where it's like, Oh yeah, this is super important. And then it became a, you shouldn't want to ever lose weight. Yeah, that was the yeah. dominant rhetoric. And now we're getting to the point where we're starting to recognize that, like you said in the beginning of this, Chelsea, it's actually okay to want to change your body, um, but we just need to be aware. You of can some, love it at the same time. Yeah, you can love it at the same time. Mm-hmm. We need to be aware of like maybe some of the potential hurdles or pitfalls of certain approaches and how we feel about each other and having the ability, like you said, to, um, uh, to reframe and all that kind of jazz. So it's like a really nice little combination of all of the important moving parts. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think when people first find some movement, um, they go to the extreme end. Um, And (laughs) there's usually a lot of truth in a popular movement because it's popular for a reason, but it might only be applicable in some circumstances and maybe not being so extreme is where the best results actually are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because it's also um, disempowering to tell somebody that they shouldn't 
want to be able to change their physique. Or that they can't. Or that they can't. Yeah. Just like it is to tell somebody that they need to or should, you know. Mm. Um, right. I have a friend who's quite extreme with the, uh, I, I guess she, she calls herself a, a body positivity advocate, which I also advocate for. I think body positivity is super important because people can be healthy and beautiful at various different shapes and sizes. Um, but she pushes the point that uh, you, your body weight is determined by your genetics and there's nothing you can do about it. And I think maybe that makes her feel better because she doesn't feel like she has control of her weight. But how disempowering is that to tell people that they have no control? Yeah, yeah. it's also a well, line. That's kind of going with, mm. yeah, I was just about to say, mm. it's, yeah, it's like the fixed mindset, thinking that you can't actually change it. Yeah, but it's even she. It's even take, taken further. I think sometimes, and they say like, um, "Oh, we know that the statistics suggest that only five percent of people succeed at long-term sustainable weight loss." So, therefore, okay, diets don't work. Therefore, they don't work, and now that's fixed. So yeah. now we're just saying mm. to like ninety-five percent of people that try, be disempowered, do your best, but you're gonna fail. You're probably gonna fail. Yeah. And those statistics are true. Though, like only five percent of people that lose weight keep it off over a five-year period. But that doesn't mean that diets don't work. That means maybe we're approaching diets in the wrong way. Or that we shouldn't mm -hmm. strive to improve the five percent. You know. Right, if we like, can make it fifteen percent, it's like it's what like, a success. Yeah, it's mm. like going back to the fifties and saying everybody dies on average at sixty. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, like that's not, well, hang on a minute. Maybe we can make some interventions, have some interventions here, and potentially make it. 65. Look how many mothers die giving birth. Like, look at the rape statistics. Like, oh well. Although maybe just don't have birth. <laughs> just, just don't have children. <laughs> Uh, I've got a fixed mindset. I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, you do have a mindset, so your mindset is pretty fixed on not having children. Um, okay, interesting. So how have you found the process of writing this block and recording videos? It was fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's different. I haven't, I haven't done any kind of speaking for like an online program before. So yeah, so it's been, it's been fun. Do you feel like a bit of a crazy woman? Like a little bit screen, talking to somebody. <laughs> I always think like um, we do so many um, recorded videos for our clients though. Like I'm not an introspective person, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. But I do, as I'm talking, always kind of have this thought and laugh that imagine if somebody was looking at me right now, they must think I'm wild. Like talking to some a crazy ass motherfucker just talking to his screen. I feel that way if I'm doing Insta stories out in public. Oh, I hate that. I feel like the biggest tool. Mm. I'll never take a selfie in public. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, gym selfies are difficult too. Oh, There's I won't. I mean, I tried to take the odd selfie in the locker room and then someone busts in and you're like, oh, and you're yeah. like, away from <laughs> It's like, the, I'm just, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but all the girls are doing it. You leave and then the next girl's doing it too. So, I mean. I've caught so many girls <laughs> flinching away from the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also like, I think it's, I'm kind of impressed when people just give zero fucks on the gym floor. I mean, like, two minds about They stand there and they're just like in whatever contorted shape they can get into to get the best shot and they just don't care. You know what, actually? But that's empowering point, to me because I'm somebody who cares, <laughs> yeah. you know? I um, recently saw a couple of fellows who were pretty new to training 
Um, they had a fair amount of body fat on them and, and not a lot of muscle, but God, they loved flexing in the mirror at themselves. They would pull their t-shirt sleeves up and like do a little tricep flex. And they were so pleased with themselves. And that made me think like, I'm so happy for you. Like, I love that you love yourself so much. And then there's dudes, like we were talking about before, who are in the best shape ever and got body dysmorphia who just mm-hmm. think that they look terrible. Right. <laughs> hmm. And yeah. we know, I yeah. think we know plenty of people like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's difficult for people to disconnect from what their perceived best physique was and what their current physique was, or is, sorry, and then they're no different as a person regardless of the shell in which they live in. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and social media doesn't help with all that too. Like we're just constantly, I don't know about your feed, but it's just, well, based on who I chose to follow, there's just, you know, girl after girl that are in better and better shape. And if, you know, if I didn't feel confident in myself, that could really get to me over time as it does with a lot of people, just that comparison mindset, like, oh, I just want to look like her or I want to be as fit as her. And, you know, most, most of social media is just the highlight reel of people contorted into all those positions with the perfect lighting in the locker room and everything. Mm. Even those girls don't look like that. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Can the comparison mindset have some positivity or do you think it's always potentially negative? It can be inspiring, I suppose. Yeah. Motivating. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it could be positive too. Um, yeah. If it's like somebody that you look up to that you, that you believe that you can get there, I guess. Well, I suppose this again but, depends on what your internal dialogue is like. Yeah. yeah. I, um, had a similar experience to you, Chelsea, where at a stage, my Instagram was just full of girls in bikinis and some of the girls that were wearing very little, I found really motivating because they were strong, confident women showcasing what their body can do. But when I saw continuous posts of just look how sexy I am, not only did it not really add any value, but I did find myself occasionally comparing and it just wasn't helpful for me. So I just did a, you spoke about a social media cleanse. Is that what you call it? Or a clean out in one of your learning? Yes, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Where like you go through and you just look at, yeah, like people that aren't making you feel better about yourself mm-hmm. and maybe decide to mute them or unfollow them. Um, mute them if you're, if they're your friends, <laughs> you don't want to unfollow them. <laughs> I've done that. How, people, okay, yeah. how many people do you have muted? <laughs> Probably only like But I do think it's important to mention that like we shouldn't always be avoiding things that make us feel bad. Um, Of course, we can minimize and control exposure, but thinking about why does this make me feel bad? Is there a better way to think about it? Maybe actually attacking the problem and not necessarily the symptom. Um, So I've kept plenty of people on my social media that I find motivating. Some people that kind of borderline showcasing what their body can do and what their body looks like, which, you know, which is okay. Because I think that, yeah, it's just a dangerous game to play to be like, nope, I'm removing all exposure to what other females' bodies look like. That's just unhealthy, maybe a little bit unrealistic. And I'm not really. It's also not dealing with the issue. Exactly. I'm not dealing with the Mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. It's, It's kind of like environment design too. Yeah. Or anything for that matter. Now you want to design the environment to support what you're trying to achieve. But it doesn't mean that, yeah, you should completely eradicate your, your um, like, it from your visual sort of, you Do you, you want to, um, just for people who are like environment design, what, Chels, can you just give us a quick rundown of environment design and then we'll tie it back to how that might um, tie into body image? Yeah, yeah, sure. So with environment design, that has to go along with our habits, um, habits module. And basically it's just 
making sure that you're the architect of your environment and you're not letting just your surroundings control how you act because believe it or not, like we're just like monkeys. Like if, if we see something, we're more likely to do it. If we don't see it, we're more likely not to do it. So like if there's fruit on the counter versus cookies, I'll, like if there isn't any cookies, I'll grab the fruit. But if there is cookies, I'll grab that. So it's kind of making sure that you're making the habits that you want to do really easy and no friction and then putting some friction in between the habits that you don't want to do. Hmm. Yeah. So if, yeah, for example, having all of your fruits and veggies cut up and in clear containers right in the front of your fridge and hiding the foods that you don't want to eat so often in the back, maybe in tin foil or opaque containers. Mm. And what this has to do with body image, Dean, I think this is where you're getting, correct me if I'm wrong. We're not saying throw the cookies out. We're saying make the cookies less obvious. Oh. Because if you can only control what you eat based on what's around you, what happens when you go on holidays or you go to a friend's house, you have no control. So we want to be making these things less obvious, AKA maybe unfollowing a few people. Oh. But what happens when you go to the beach and there's other girls in bikinis? Like we can't control everything all the time. So reduce our exposure, but also look at the actual problem. Yeah, I mean, to draw another parallel. Is that where you were going? Absolutely. Is is it's taking away your necessity to rely on willpower Mm -hmm. to then drive a positive thought every time you see something that makes you feel bad? Yeah. Same with food, you know, like if the cookies are on the counter, you're essentially saying like, I'm just going to say no to them because I'm strong enough to do so. And like eventually maybe that won't happen. Well, willpower we can think of as a finite resource. And if mm. we use our willpower all the time on every little thing, we're not going to have any willpower to go to the gym late at night if we missed our morning session, like where it really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Or similarly to draw the parallel with going to the beach in the bikinis, like when you then go there, you now have an opportunity. You recognise, you're consciously aware, oh, I'm going to be seeing girls that maybe don't make me feel so great about myself. What tools can I take with me or thoughts or whatever you know, strategies? How can yeah. I reframe so that when I'm there, I can have a positive experience as opposed to a negative one? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Who would have thought food and body image could, and all of these things could align <laughs> I so know. well? Environment design and body image. Mm. <laughs> I hadn't actually <laughs> thought about that parallel until it was coming out of our mouths, but it was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit of a bing moment. And bing. by bing, I mean light bulb. Okay. No, that's what I thought when you said Bing. Oh, um, I hope so. <laughs> I love it. So um, for people who have had really good intentions, like maybe they know quite a lot, or they think they know quite a bit about nutrition, what they need to do, but they're just having a really hard time doing it. I know there's quite a lot involved with habit change because there's so many different dimensions to it, but what might be one or two things that we can pull from the Better Bodies program that might help someone listening now? Um, my favorite thing is the habit stacking. I know as a, as a group, we had read James Clear's um, Atomic Habits book, and there's just so many good things in there. But um, the habit stacking, I think, seems to work for a lot of people because you a lot of the things that we want to improve on are things that we just forget to do. Like we have good intentions at the beginning of the day or beginning of the week. And then the busyness of the week comes and we just like forget to prep our meals or whatever, go grocery shopping or drink our water, whatever. Yeah. So with habit stacking, that's just picking something that you already do automatically that you really don't think about. Um, Like for example, in the morning, brushing your teeth or at night, walking in the door from work, just like simple tasks that we do every single day and then stacking our new habit along with it. And then we can kind of start to develop routines where it's multiple um, habits in a row so that all you need is that first cue and all of a sudden, boom, you're like set up for the morning. 
Mm. Yeah. Do you guys do any kind of habit stacking in your lives? Yeah. Uh, first thing in the morning, we always go for a walk. I got 6,000 steps in this morning, like first thing. Nice. Mm. You know, I am. Um, I have a, a couple of like... Oh, we roll out of bed and make the bed before we even open our eyes. We do that, that is something that actually does happen, yeah. I try and get out first so I don't have to do it though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rule, right? That's a universal rule. Last one out of the <laughs> Lockie and Liv, if you're listening to this, Liv, it's your fault that the bed doesn't get made because you get out last. Um, team, Lockie, team Lockie on this one. Team Lockie. Team Lockie. He leaves at 4 a.m. and then he comes home and she's like, the bed's messy. He's like, but you were still sleeping. <laughs> Everyone has an unwritten rule. Um, you know, no, I have like some, like, I've always had like a sort of one or two things like from a vitamin perspective that I've always taken in the morning. And then whenever uh-huh. I need to take something new, whether it's like, you know, I've found something, you know, short or I'm adding something new for an additional benefit or whatever it may be. Supplements? Yeah. I always put it next to those ones. Because okay. otherwise mm. I forget for sure. I'm like, oh, I forgot that day. Damn it. You know, um, that's how, that's how I would usually add in. So it's the same thing, like a, a current behavior or current habit. Yeah. Stack yeah. Actually, speaking of supplements and habits, um, I take a daily iron supplement because I was a vegetarian for a long time growing up and I'm just really susceptible to anemia. Um, and first thing in the morning, obviously make the bed, brush my teeth. Then I take my iron supplement right after I brush my teeth, then go for a walk. I hadn't really joined the dots until you had asked Chelsea, but I guess that's, yeah, something we do. It's just so automatic that I don't think about it. I just, yeah. 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 But at one point, maybe it was something that you had to think about every day until it just became routine. Yeah. Yeah, It was so much trial and error because I don't want to have my iron with caffeine because it blunts the absorption of iron. So I really had to play around with when am I going to have this? Because I don't have a coffee until after the walk, which is at least an hour later. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of trial and error in it, definitely. What about you, Josh? Yeah. I have tons of things. I'm like a very routine person and I feel very off if everything isn't going right. <laughs> but um, like like my morning routine is kind of similar to yours. But um, like for movement, like ev- like I... I um, also work as a personal trainer as well. So I'm, I'm with clients a lot of the day in person. So when I come home after my morning block, before I do anything, I have to take my dogs for a walk and it has to be around the block, like a certain number of steps or a certain amount of time. And so I don't even have to think about getting all my steps in by the end of the day because I come home twice and have to do that at lunch and dinner. So like that just all kind of adds up and yeah, it's just one less thing to have to think about. Yeah. yeah. Remember we did an episode on working it in and we spoke about all the daily things we have to do. And instead of adding it on top, we work it in. And it sounds like that's what you've done with your steps. You need to walk your mm-hmm. dogs and you just yeah. happen to do it twice. So you've worked your steps in or your step target into. Yeah. My, mine was the same in that where mm-hmm. we live within a close enough proximity to the gym that I can walk. So yeah. instead right. of having to get out of my work chair multiple times per day to get some steps in, I just go and walk. You know, yeah. and to the gym. How and many back. steps four. do you get? Four? Uh, uh, to the gym and back? Yeah. Uh, at least four, yeah. 4,000. Huh, yeah. Four steps. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an easy one. I think the other one is even, you know, every time you have a meal, and this could be somebody also that has uh, weight loss goals or, you know, poor metabolic health, however they would determine that. It's probably a topic for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going for a walk post eating is actually exceptionally good for your blood sugars. You know, so like that can just be a simple habit too. I have a meal, I go for a quick little five-minute walk. Mm. I have a meal. And you, if you do that four times per day, you'll rack up 4,000 steps in, in 40 minutes worth of walking time. It's super easy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, or yeah, even, we'll um, probably... 
you go. Probably at first, just a bit of of friction. Like you don't want to do that after you have your lunch, or maybe you're used to having your lunch and going straight back to work. So in the first week or two weeks or three weeks, like it might feel like, oh, you have to set a reminder on your phone or need to have a note on your computer or something to make you do it. But then, but yeah, but then you'll start to feel like if you don't do it, everything feels off and you don't feel ready to go back to work. Yeah. Mm. So and are they some of the strategies that people can also use to try and drive these habits to becoming more consistent, like putting notes in front of your face or using reminders <laughs> on your phone or anything? Is there any other? Yeah. Yeah. Are there like that, like a habit tracker too? So if you do have specific things that you really want to change every day, so um, whether you have a, like an Excel, like sp- I have an Excel spreadsheet on my phone that I'm like able to check things off every day. I really like the process of checking things off or crossing things off makes you feel like, cool, I'm successful. If I didn't do anything, at least my checklist is done. But yeah, you could use that or just um, like a written calendar where you have, um, I know one of my clients, she uses that and she marks it off in different colors. So at the end of the week and the end of the month, she can see, cool, I've like done so much because a lot of times, you know, if you are, if you do have the goal of losing weight, it's a slow, it's always slower than what we want. You know, we always like when I get clients come on, they're like, I expect to lose this much. And then you have to reframe it and say, okay, well, this is what's realistic for you if we do everything right. Um, and so if it is only a little amount, you do at least have something to look back on at the end of the month and be like, whoa, like I was super consistent, did all of these actions. And you can start building up that trust in yourself that you did what you said you did or said that you would do and kept the promises that you made to yourself. And that's really like the start of self-love because that's, that's what it is. It's, it's trusting in yourself and being able to depend on yourself. And so, feeling yeah. successful before you make the weight goal. Yeah. Yeah. That one's yeah. huge. Yeah. That may be single-handedly, single-handedly, I think one of the most difficult things that people struggle with when they're trying to achieve a goal that's long-term. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, that, that long-term goal is like a representation of small things done repetitively over time, consistently forever. But every time <laughs> that you don't hit that goal, because it's so far away, it feels like you're failing every day. If you don't take a step back and like you said, like your client doesn't look back and go, oh, actually this month of my six month goal, I have all of the colors of the rainbow ticked off. Like that was a very successful month. Well, know? yeah, because extreme results don't require extreme action. They require little tiny seemingly insignificant actions done thousands of times mm. yeah super cool this is the is this is the james clear thing too right well yeah systems this is focus. this is what i'm talking about in mindset and motivation talking yeah. about um, a systems focus or a process focus versus an outcome or goals focus yeah 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 all all really important pieces of the puzzle and and also reasons if people don't understand these things or haven't yet actually put them into practice probably the reason why people know what to do but they've tried so many times and haven't been able to do it right because mm-hmm. all these things matter a lot yeah well, most people just literally think oh i'll just i'll start the diet but that's all i've got to do <laughs> and they forget that the diet isn't really that important in the grand scheme of all of your behaviors and habits and how you think about yourself and all these things that potentially then what you do when you eat out well all of those things yeah, are what how impact you how you eat mm. yeah. how you feel about yourself yeah yeah your mindset mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, going on that too. And just having that like identity focused goal as well. So like changing the identity and the way that you speak about yourself. So not so, not like, um, like kind of putting it into action. Like I am somebody who has healthy behaviors. I'm somebody that cares about my health. I'm somebody that cares about being 
lean and my best self for my kids and my family versus I want to lose 10 pounds, you know, like just because if you want to lose 10 pounds, it doesn't necessarily mean all of your actions will follow that. But instead, if you actually believe and feel that you are this health focused person, you almost won't have to put as much effort as you think into like going out to eat because you're automatically going to be looking for a healthy option. Uh-huh. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I find that um, D- Dean and I drink occasionally like Christmas or something like that. Maybe we'll share a beer over dinner every now and then, but most of the time we won't just like drink on a Tuesday night or like we won't go to his parents' house for dinner and like have a wine. with. It's just not something that we do. And we identify as mainly non-drinkers, mm. um, but also the people around us have given us that label as well, which is neither here nor there. I don't really care. But people don't offer us drinks because they know that we're pretty much non-drinkers most of the and time. The only thing that sucks is then when you say, yes, it's a, fucking big deal oh my god they're having a like, what, are you, what are you celebrating Nothing. Like, listen here boot town. <laughs> yeah like having other people accept your new identity can be really helpful too because they might not be like hey let's go out for a big night and stop at macca's on the way home they might be like hey let's go out for a dog walk you know mm. or yeah. even if you haven't because we build confidence in our new identity by actually practicing those behaviors over and over again um, so if you haven't yet gotten to the place where you believe your new identity or other people don't yet accept you as that, you could ask your friends for support. Hey, this is what I'm trying to do right now. Instead of asking to go out to dinner, maybe you could suggest we see a movie instead or we do some bowling. Mm. Or we go to Top Golf and everyone can laugh at Lizzie. Not hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think is that I'm... a true story? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, you know, my upbringing of being very sports focused, I take for granted in that it is very normal for Liz and I, when we go on a holiday, even just to be like, all right, well, groceries. Yeah. We get some groceries and we're active and we try and train still. Mm -hmm. And like, and my people are like, why do you do it? Like I just do because it is, it is who I am. That is my identity, you know? Um, And it does become easier and easier and easier to say no also when you're used to saying no to certain behaviours or certain things because it is, again, a part of the identity. So Yeah. I like to think of it, speaking of reframing, as when I say no to an extra side of chips, I'm saying yes to feeling good in my body. Mm. So, no, I, I say, sure, I say no to the chips, but I don't focus on what I'm saying no to. I focus on what I'm saying yes to. And I think that's way more important. Yeah. There's more value. And it makes me feel good about saying no to the chips. You know? It's just weird that you actually physically pat yourself on the back, though. Is it? Yeah, when you, when you do that. <laughs> and I walk through the restaurant in my bikini. I'm like, this is why. <laughs> this is why, everyone. <laughs> I know what they do in America. <laughs> Sometimes. Depends on the place. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. So... Better Bodies is this program that we're talking about, specifically talking about the habit change and body image management block that you're taking, Chelsea. We start the program January 10th. It's going to be a 12-week program, but we definitely don't intend for it to be a 12-week transformation because there's only so much you can do in 12 weeks. And our tagline for the program is creating sustainable transformations. And doing that takes a little longer, but it certainly pays off and it's faster than doing extreme things and continually having to start again because you can't maintain it. So even though initially it seems like the slow way, it really isn't. 
Um, so you're welcome to stay in the program if anyone does join the Better Bodies program for longer than the 12 weeks. Uh, if you feel like you want continued access to the content, continued access to the coaches, the community, yeah. um, the worksheets, things like that. So where can we find Better Bodies, Dean, if anyone's interested? In the IG bio. That would be the best place to go. Quick links in our IG bio. I think all of our coaches also have a link to it in their bios. Um, and it's on our website, obviously. It'll be in the show notes with the quick links as well. Yep. Super easy to find. So, yeah, there's a link in our Instagram bios. And yep. within that link is the better place. Yeah, it's like a really good opportunity for people to, to use the framework we're giving people to set up their nutritional practice to achieve a particular goal. We're not going to determine what that is. It's up to them. And then also giving further framework around all of these things we've discussed today with Tom so that you can create sustainable change. Because mm. a lot of people are sort of uh, have done the get the diet, get the results for six weeks and then go backwards trick. Mm-hmm. We're trying to uh, mitigate that by giving people some uh, power back in their opportunity to learn and, and manage implement. their own stuff and implement. Yeah, because so. yeah, the plan only works when you do. Mm. So. Another one for a T-shirt. God, yep. I've got so many good lines today, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I should write a philosophy book while I'm on a roll. Um, something worth sharing, our segment. You know what we didn't do at Tom? I just thought of it. It's how to be less shit. Oh, I had to be less shit too. We missed the tag. How did we forget? Damn. Yeah. All right, Chelsea, if people had to leave here today uh, wanting to be less shit, what would your less shit tip be? Um, <sighs> good question. <laughs> I wasn't preparing for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, We've given heaps of less shit tips today. This I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot, isn't there? Well, maybe the, the point here is there's not one thing you need to know. It's a, a puzzle and you need all the pieces. How about that? Mm. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. Join our Better Bodies program. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Now we have the would you rather game in front of us. And we're just going to pull a card at random. Would you like to pull a card? I will pull a card. Okay. But uh, I know, Chelsea, we spoke before this podcast as well about something you thought was worth sharing today too. Oh, yeah, something worth sharing. Yep, just on the body image um, body image segment, there's a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza. He wrote two, two really good books I think are worth reading if you're interested in learning how the brain works and how to kind of transform it. The one being Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and then the other one being You Are the Placebo. Yeah, have you guys read those ones? No. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're both really interesting. Kind of, he explains like the science behind it and then gives examples and um, even in breaking the habit of being yourself, like meditation examples of how to change your brain. Cool. I've written it down and I'll pop them in the show notes if anyone's interested. I, um, cool. I, as you know, Dan and I are leaving Australia and traveling soon, full time. Mm-hmm. And I am devastated. I can't take my books with me because I have quite a few on the shelf that I haven't yet gotten around to. Um, mm. But I have purchased a Kindle. I still have my Audible subscription. So I'm going to keep going. If I was just to read either Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself or You Are the Placebo, which do you think is superior? Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Okay. I think read that one first. Okay. Mm. I'll check it out. Happy days. Cool. Thank you. Okay, Dean. I'm giving you the chance. You're deciding your fate here, Chelsea. I've read all three. One of them is... These are would-you-rather cards. One of them is uh, okay. definitely uh, 
pertinent to this conversation that okay. we're having here as three individuals. The other two are like, oh, that. So do you choose one, two, or three? <laughs> two. Damn it. Oh, okay. No, okay. <laughs> Would you rather be famous when you are alive and forgotten when you die or be unknown when you're alive but famous after you die? Sorry. Famous for what, do you think? You choose. Being a serial killer? No. <laughs> Yeah, something positive. An artist? Oh. Um, or anything. Then when what do you I was want to be famous for? Well, like, I wouldn't want to be, like, a famous actress or famous anything that, like, would require a bunch of, like, attention and people in my face. If, in that case, I would rather be more famous when I was dead. So I would want to still have, like, ownership over my own life. But if it was for, like, accolades of, like, something I created or wrote or sang or something like that, then... Than maybe when I was alive. Okay. Or sang. Do you have a hidden voice, Chelsea? No. <laughs> no. Oh. I mean, it'd be cool if I could sing, but I can't. Would you like to prove on the podcast that you can't sing? We're willing to take audition. No. Eugene Peters, no. remember he played the guitar he on the podcast? He did. It was great fun. Is and he good at a beatboxer? Uh, he's singing. Oh. Yeah. He, he was good on the guitar. Oh, did he sing? I can't remember. He only recently started taking up singing lessons, and um, he will even admit that there's a bit of a way to go. But mm-hmm. props to him for trying. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He played it. I sound like Marge Simpson when I try and sing. So, like, who am I to talk? You a spell a good answer. I think it was a good answer. Because I would have just said, when I'm dead, like, I don't care. I don't want to be famous for yeah. anything. And I don't want to be famous when I'm alive because I just, yeah, couldn't handle all of the, the people. So, but in that instance, it would be all right because you actually wouldn't get bothered. Yeah. But you'd be well known yeah. because you did something awesome. Yeah. yeah, you know, like curing COVID. Curing COVID. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll see. Oh, I was speaking of COVID here in Queensland, Australia. Nobody wears masks anymore. It's just we don't okay. need to, and it's not a COVID's not really a problem here. It seems I don't know. With a question mark, I, no one wears masks. Anyways, <laughs> when we take our twenty-four hour flight to the UK, yeah, we have to wear a mask the whole time. Yeah, it'll be under my chin. Oh. Uh, be so frustrating because mm. I'm obviously not used to wearing a mask anymore because it's been a while. Yeah, I do have asthma though, unfortunately. Oh, you could use that as a medical reason. So okay, <laughs> I'll just sit there with hold my puffer in my hand the whole time. <laughs> no one Excuse me. me. Excuse me. I'll just put a straw in your mouth, very long straw down to a bottle. <laughs> Through the mask. And I just take the straw to the side of my mouth, so I can just like, oh, and just quickly grab it when someone walks past. <laughs> I'm drinking, guys. <laughs> 24 hours I'm drinking. That was me in the library. Whenever, like, in the library here, you're supposed to have a mask on when you're there. And when I worked there on a on Monday, I would just have my bottle there and the guy would walk past and I'd be like, just drinking, mate. And he'd be like, no worries. We should probably mention for the record <laughs> that we are definitely, we're both double vaxxed and we agree that in spaces that you should wear masks. That you, So we're not against mask wearing. We think mm. we should all comply. Yeah, no, I just. Just in case that sounds terrible. Just CBF. Yeah. God, I'm glad we're double vax though, because it makes traveling so much easier. Indeed. Yeah. I think in some places for double vaxes, you can even skip a quarantine, right? When we go from the UK to Portugal. Yeah. Or, the, or if you were like exposed, there's shorter quarantine periods, or you can quarantine in a house versus in a facility and all that kind right. of Right. Makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for coming on, Chelsea. If you found value in this podcast, please like, comment, share it with your friends, tag Flex Success, any of the coaches, if you have them on Insta. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Ciao.